0: I think I need to use robot voice but I totally want to use robot voice.
1: Not the shuttle. Shuttle. This
2: movie sounds awful. I'm sorry guys.
1: Surprise. Boiled down. <laughs> Hello and welcome to a brand new boil down episode of Chuddle the Pod, a horror movie club. And on this very special episode, we have a special guest. But before we get to that, let's say hey to Sam. Hello to Ross. Follow up? Sam at hey. Chuddle Sam Letterbox. Ross at Ross Purvis. See all his tattoo yes. and art and all that good mm-hmm. stuff on yeah. Instagram as well. Yeah.
0: Just, just blaze. I'm right in by the it. Discord.
1: Got- Find me in the Discord. <laughs> jump into there and we'll hang out and have a good time there. But today. We have a very special guest. If you listen to our episode right before this, our full-length episode, we just covered the movie Revealer, and you heard us talk about how much we love that movie, essentially. And we Mm -hmm. we, we took a jump, and we invited director, and you helped come up with the story, I believe. A little bit, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Luke Boyce to the podcast. Thank you.
3: (laughs) Thank you. Wow. It's, It's amazing to be here. Thanks so much. It's fun to be talking about it still. So thank you, I appreciate it.
1: Yeah, I mean, this came onto our radar uh, last year, and it was something that was on my list. And then Sam and I started going through a bunch of the Paper Street pitcher mm-hmm. movies because mm-hmm. we had Aaron Coons on the the show, and we're oh, talking nice. to him about stuff. So it's we're like, like Aaron let's... today, actually. Oh, awesome! <laughs> yeah, no, he was uh, he was great. I mean, yeah, uh, we we learned a lot from him from all sorts of things, and that was to talk about like. Uh, Scare Package Two was coming out around that time, so nice. I don't even know like how we we I don't know. Sam yeah. and I watched it, and we're like, "That's that yeah, that got us into revealer, the Discord like, and talking about it forever." This, yeah, and and we never did anything. We just watched it and enjoyed it. And then I was like, "I think I want to bring this back around and actually talk about it on the podcast." Yeah, Brian used because, it
2: as his pick for. We each get a pick as like a movie club, and then there's mm-hmm. a patron pick. But Brian used
3: his pick for Revealer.
4: Nice,
0: sure, so, thank I'd, you. I'd never seen it before and i was like holy shit how have i never seen that <laughs>
3: so <laughs> this is the you watched it on the discord then or is this a separate no. thing when you watched it together okay gotcha yeah yeah we
2: all we we discussed it on the discord we have got our little it. movie conversations in there
1: i need
3: to Which, get on this discord it's okay, <laughs> a lot of please.
0: fun it's wacky yeah. it gets wacky <laughs> we, we got that. we got some
1: <laughs> a, amazing range of people in there are our, our, our cajun cousins down in there that are a wild mm-hmm. fun time. Anyway, nice. <laughs> <laughs> the reason for the season. What we're here tonight for is to talk to you, and then we're going to get into revealer. But to get a little history from you, what would you, what? I don't know if you can give us a breakdown. What is your horror history? How have like mm. you've been in this world?
3: Like like how I got into it. Is that kind of the question here? Like getting yeah. into horror or, or making it? A
1: little bit of uh, both.
3: I'd love to hear yeah, you know kind sure. of
1: where it started.
3: You know, I so I grew up like a very. uh a very religious household growing up very religious um wow. so you know content wise was you know it wasn't super 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 strict but it was strict enough that you know there were some things that were off limits some things weren't you know and then uh although i will say that um i f- i feel like my first i was born in 82 and i feel like my first exposure to horror was my dad watching the uh michael jackson thriller video
4: Totally. And just being fascinated. Sure.
3: And I remember watching the making of, you know, specifically. So you get to see like Rick Baker and all this, you know, yeah. incredible makeup and stuff like that. And that was my dad was a my dad was an artist and he was really into makeup. I mean, like Halloween was huge for him and he would do this incredible stuff. Nice. So, like in a way, like you know, even though it was religious, it was sort of, you know, he had this fascination with movies and makeup Mm -hmm. and the visual effects and stuff like that so there was interesting dipped our fingers in there and then um you know i love to watch because we were you know i I wasn't allowed to watch a lot of like actual modern day horror films in the 80s but um i would watch a lot of like i watched a lot of old like universal horror Mm -hmm. movies Mm -hmm. and sci-fi and stuff like that on tv and that actually i used to watch I used to watch it so much that th- that eventually led to watching Monster Vision, the original Monster Vision with Joe Bob Briggs oh, on yes. uh, oh, yeah. on TNT. And that's where I got a lot of my early stuff. And then, you know, and then as you got into high school, you know, you started to get into it. I remember um, I remember my buddy Michael and I stayed up all night and watched the Joe Bob um, Friday the 13th marathon. Uh, that was like one of my first that was the first time I'd ever it's seen so any good. Friday the 13th you know so oh, that was that was uh, back in high school <laughs> uh, i'm doing yeah, my was, first watch of friday yeah.
2: the 13th movies right now <laughs> nice yeah. Yeah.
3: oh wow you were i just a, managed to miss
2: the whole franchise yeah whoa so we just amazing. covered one and we're covering two this week yeah next mm-hmm. episode
3: yeah my my good friend john he uh he hadn't seen him at all so we had been over the over covid we started going through them in VR. We watched movies together in VR. Oh, so we were introducing oh, cool. me and some other guys were introducing him to the Friday, but yeah, I mean, that was, that was a big one. I, it was mostly just stuff on TV. You know, I didn't, yeah. didn't rent a lot of it, but I watched a lot of it on television. So
0: I love monster vision for the fact where like, obviously Joe Bob would give you like a background and a lot of like behind the scenes stuff yep. going on, but monster vision was so good in the fact of like, obviously it was edited for television. But just just enough, like it was just enough to make it on television. So you still got some like tidbits of like gore and yes. like stuff that you wouldn't normally see in syndication, which I loved about uh, Monster Vision.
3: Well, and it was interesting when you when you watched stuff as a kid uh, on Monster Vision. What was great about it was like a lot of it. I knew that it was technically they were there were a lot of B movies as we you know what? understood them. But the way that Joe Bob talked about them, you know, in in a lot of cases, you know, in a a scholarly way, it made you, you know, it's like the first time you're watching this movie that may have been derided upon release, you're getting this, you know, perspective from someone who's actually respecting it. And so you kind of get Mm -hmm. this, you know, that bounces back, you sort of respect the thing you're watching. And, you know, I think that was really the first time that I was like, oh, no, this stuff is. You know, it's, it's good. It's actually, you know, even though it's bad, it's also good. (laughs)
0: Yes. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. It's like the so bad. It's good. It's the first I realized, oh my God, this is so bad. It's good. Yeah. And I can, I can have fun with it. This is great. Yeah.
1: Yeah, So, so So then, yeah. So then what kind of made your transition into, I, I can do this, and I did do this. Like, where was the start to
3: that? Um, you know, it's just, it's interesting. So, I I wanted to be a filmmaker since it was the first thing I can remember doing. Um, since I was a very very small kid. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I I grew up. I mean, I was I've been a huge cinephile for years. So, right. in a lot of cases, it wasn't like wanting to do horror wasn't quite on my radar. I wanted to do you know drama and you uh, know yeah. big any, anything. So, but you know, as you sort of start to dip your toes into the world of film you realize a few things you realize you know you realize what your limitations are in terms of of budget and and also just um distribution as well Mm -hmm. and so you know and then there there's a there was a point in my adult life where i kind of you know i'd always been i always been really into horror but then I kind of got really into horror, you know, kind of in my <laughs> third late yes. 20s, early 30s, you know. Mm-hmm. Um it's it sort of when the nostalgia for the period, you know, especially like the 80s, late 70s, 80s. Well, and especially the interesting thing about 70s is when you are a when you are a cinephile and you start to really dig up a bunch of stuff, like a bunch of quality films and you get to the 70s, um you can't help but but watch some incredible horror films. I mean, it's just, oh, yeah. they they blend there. And then that kind of leads into more and, you know, and once you kind of understand, I mean, there was, there was a point I think at which I saw like evil dead, for instance, and you're just like, mm-hmm. Oh my God, no, this is, this is a whole nother world and this is attainable. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, yes, yes. You know, especially when you're like making movies on for no money and anything like that. So that was the point at which, you know, you kind of realize Oh, you know this is you can do this and you can do it even with no money you can do it well and it's you you know and even even revealer has as you probably know a few evil dead references in it um one very specific one so um so yeah i think it was i think it was just sort of this i think a lot of people make horror partly from that i mean we love horror um i love genre i mean that's just one Mm -hmm. thing it's just more fun to tell those stories in some cases many cases um But then you also sort of just realize, like, especially in this film economy, um, it's easier to sell a horror film. You know, I mean, there's just not there's not a market for other stuff. So that, you know, that's part of it, too. Um, When you're making a movie for for really low, low amount of money, you only have so many options. Um, and, And horror is one of those genres that has stood the test of time in terms of allowing filmmakers to move into sort of the space of the space of creating a feature film, which is, you know, takes (laughs) time and a lot of work. I've been, I've been making a lot of shorts and stuff like that for years until revealer came in. So sure. Yeah.
1: That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, budgetarily, I've always heard that, you know, like horror films you can make for relatively cheaper and then the turnaround on the other end can be really good. I mean, you look at something like with the recent success of terrifier two.
3: I mean, that's yeah, that's insane. that's
1: insane, and I think yeah. like that yeah, the is ability
3: just, to yeah, just to sell them is is that in and of itself. I mean, I you know, listen, there's a lot of types of movies I'd love to make. I'd love to make love to make an old school raunchy comedy or something like that. Mm-hmm. But oh, nice! I don't know who's gonna <laughs> buy it. You know what I mean? Right. Like, <laughs> yeah. right? There's no more. I don't. I don't see those movies anymore. So. You know, there, there, there's, you know, that that that's a part of it for sure. But, but it's also just the love of it, you know, for sure. It's so much more fun to make. That's the other thing. Mm-hmm. Well, just I think horror
2: do. horror fans are probably more accepting or have a larger appetite for lower budget movies or willing to give them a shot more so than traditional moviegoers.
3: They are, and I actually the thing I love about horror fans specifically is I also think they're the most accepting of everything like you can kind of throw everything in the kitchen sink into something and they like it it's less like they they have to in my in my opinion horror fans are the least how do i want to say this um i guess snobbish of any kind of genre Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. like if you go to sci-fi like i listen i love sci-fi but have a conversation (laughs) with sci-fi fans it, oh, it can God. get rough. You know what I mean? Sure. Like a, like people a, a, have a, opinions. <laughs> so, a, yeah. A sea of, um, actuallys. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and, and, you know, and it's, you know, so it's, it's great to sort of make something, um, that, you know, can, can, can cross through the screen. Like you make something ridiculous, especially, which mm-hmm. we have plenty of ridiculous in this movie. Sure. And oh, it's yeah. just almost like, it's fun to just imagine, horror fans seeing that and appreciating and knowing what you're going for, appreciating mm-hmm. what you're going for. I mean, there's, there's, you know, because that fan base is so accepting and so rich with, with just, you know, wonderful people. It's, you know, it's, there's a connection when you're making the film. Like I was just constantly thinking about, you know, the viewer, um, mm-hmm. when I was making this and how much fun, you know, I'd have even watching it. So yeah. Oh yeah. There, I think horror fans are the best fans in the world.
4: Hands out. Shout out, shout me yeah. right? And it's great too. I mean, <laughs> horror
1: is one of those genres that has this ability to have so many subgenres too. Yeah. So horror fans are can be like, okay, maybe that's not exactly the thing I like, but I respect yeah. this subgenre to it and stuff like that. That that's one of the things I specifically love about it too. But it, yep. it can oh, go yep, all yeah. sorts of different ways. Getting into the movie, let's let let's start there. I mean, this was obvious, not obviously, but this was a. a quarantine movie this was Mm -hmm. developed in a time of how do you make a movie when all of this craziness is going down so was it the three of you forming this idea together of like figuring out what what could be done and did this idea how did this spawn was it like a like a pre-thought-out idea oh i've always had this in my mind type of thing or something that formed basically from this
3: so um so tim seeley um who if you don't know is a brilliant comic book writer and artist um he's created some i mean in the horror genre itself he's created an icon in cassie hack from the comic hack Mm -hmm. slash slash, um yeah so he's he's you know he's already a legend um and we had been working uh you know working on uh, a feature film uh for revival and uh his comic book from image comics I was just gonna say so, revival
2: yeah as yep. another book of his
3: <laughs> yeah and revival we were trying you know we've been trying to make revival as um you know an independent film we wanted to make mm-hmm. it we wanted to do something different when we took a big ip and we did it you know grassroots level um mm-hmm. but that that's hard to do it's, uh, we as we were <laughs> yeah. doing it we realized it needed a lot of stuff it needed a lot of um a lot of money essentially <laughs> <laughs> and and then and we were we were pretty close and then the uh, the covid happened mm-hmm. and um you know we were all stuck in our houses and we kept thinking God, there there's gonna be a content drought is this a good time to try something and at the same time we were thinking this um my producing partners the people that i we i produce a lot of films in the chicago area mm-hmm. they were also thinking like listen all of our all of our people everything has gotten canceled or mm-hmm. postponed um a lot of people just sitting on their butt what if we just what if we did something small so they came to us we'd already kind of been talking about it and they were like do you think you guys could do like could you come up with an idea where it's like no no more than two people are interacting at the same time and maybe even like they don't have to have they don't even have to see each other really (laughs) like for the most of it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there was just like Don't have a wall in between them. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um cuz we had been talking a long time Tim and I about how how Hollywood sort of uh misses on the comic writer aspect of this. They for some reason Hollywood doesn't respect a lot of comic writers even though comic writers have this amazing ability to just write stories within tons of perimeters. Like Tim, for instance, will talk about like when he's writing, you know, they come to him and they say, Hey, can you write Nightwing? And right, by the you way, got some you legacy do, character. Yep, you can't do this, 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 uh-huh. and this. And and they're like, sure. And they get it done in a week. And right. so <laughs> right. you know, we knew we we had been sort of telling people, have us give us an idea. We'll work within your perimeters. We'll write a story within your perimeters. So they finally said, okay here you go, do this. And, uh, I remember, you know, they asked me, I kind of called Tim and that night by dinnertime, he called me up with this idea. So it was like literally <laughs> awesome. that quick. Wow. And, That's so and good. yeah, we had been, you know, we've been talking to Michael Morisi, another comic writer, uh, and, and about doing a, a film, to, writing a film together. So we decided all to kind of work on it together and, uh, we pitched it to them and we're like, yeah, listen, what about this thing where it's like, like the stripper and this religious zealot, they're like stuck in a peep show booth, you know, and, and they mm-hmm. kind of have to talk through the walls and blah, blah. And they're, they're like, yep, yep. There Perfect. we go. Let's do it. <laughs> done.
1: <laughs>
4: Chef's That's kiss, it. Yeah. done. Hits yep, exactly.
3: So we wrote it and they're like, can, how, how quickly can you write it? And we're like, I don't know. So we wrote it in eight days. Uh, first oh, yeah. draft was Something in from? eight, eight sure. days. But, so. yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it shows what you can do when you're like,
2: when you have constraints, how that can Totally. To allow you to you know, be more creative or create something I, I, better than if you could have done whatever you wanted.
3: I do believe yeah. that limitation, yeah, does sure. does breed creativity. I do. I mean, it's mm-hmm. the whole you know Bruce the Shark concept. You know, the, yeah. the more hurdles you have to come to come through, the more creative problem solving you have to do. And I think that sometimes it really breeds better stuff. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. it's not easy. Totally. It it can suck, but I mean, in this case, you know, when we started to like. When we started to plan the film, things just kept falling into place. Like it was weird. We were almost like, "This kind of has to happen." Because um, I remember, I remember we went to this local uh, uh, hotel. So there was like this, there was like this kind of abandoned um, office supply warehouse that we <laughs> shot in. And okay. they, the okay. first thing they were like, "We're like, hey, can we shoot a film there?" It was kind of perfect. It had so like a, a huge. Front retail space, and then the back was just like a massive shipping warehouse. Mm-hmm. And they're like, "Sure!" And they literally handed <laughs> us the keys that day.
4: Oh, great! What? For nothing. <laughs> we're like, amazing.
3: "Okay." And then, and so <laughs> then we called. There was like a there's a nice Hyatt right just down the street, uh, yeah. in downtown Champaign And we're like calling them, and we're like, "Hey, listen, we're gonna do this thing, but you know, we really need kind of like." We, we really need kind of isolation a little bit because a, a we're, bubble. yeah that the, we were kind of doing we called it camp quarantine because everybody was basically not allowed to go outside the bubble mm-hmm. um yeah. you know this is august of 2020 so we didn't you know there were no oh, rules geez. on how to make a film yeah. and everyone just agreed to you know quarantine together for the time it took to make the film and and you know we had runners who would get stuff and this hotel was like yeah. Hey, you know what? We're not getting any bookings right now because of everything. So why don't you just take the whole sixth floor? And we're like, <laughs> deal. Okay.
1: <Done. laughs> Great. Perfect. So I don't yeah, know if you already
3: said that. How how many days did you shoot? So we initially it was supposed to be twelve, but we we managed to stretch it to thirteen, which is not a lot. But it. But we also did it. Yeah. Um, we built the whole thing is built on a set like it's. We built the mm-hmm. whole set in the warehouse we never had to leave that um which was great it was nice other than the exterior shot which was across the street actually um you know we it was a 5 minute walk to the to the warehouse every day we shot you wow. know for 10 to 12 hours that day went home did that for about 13 days so it was it was wow. pretty great wow so less yeah. days than they told you to quarantine for yeah exactly yeah, right,
4: right.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah we did a lot of testing. I will say that a lot of testing. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah,
0: it's honestly, it's really amazing seeing all those parameters around this film and then watching the film because I didn't know that ahead of time. Mm. Just watching the film and then getting all this information is that it still felt very organic, mm. as in like none of that felt. Thank you. Confined. You know what I mean? Like you know, having that could have been, could go one of two ways, yep. where it's like either everything kind of flows, but like the claustrophobia of Kind of what's going on, and I love the fact the, the kind of the Bruce sharp shark moment where it's like I love the fact that you don't actually fully see the apocalypse rapture outside of that building, and mm-hmm. that makes it so much creepier and more obvious yeah. and amazing that it's just lighting techniques and stuff like that. Where it's like I don't know that creeped me out more than seeing a full fledged like you know burning skies and people running. You know what I mean? Like yeah, I don't know.
3: I I really appreciate that because that was a big when we first started writing it, we were like. Our big directive was, okay, we're going to make we I know we're making a pandemic movie, but it can't be a pandemic movie. That was our big thing. Like we were like, I think even by this time, um, host had come out already. Um, and stuff like that, mm-hmm. which was amazing. We loved it. But we were like, I don't want to make a movie that just dates itself, you know, that talks about the pandemic or feels like a pandemic right. movie. We just wanted to make a normal horror movie utilizing these perimeters, you know, the way that you would have a perimeter, you know, for any kind of low budget film, you know, you're doing this about- well, it, it felt like it could
2: it felt like it could have already existed as something trying to get made before covid because. Yeah. Yeah. Because it does seem like one of those things, well, we know our budget's not going to be big, so we're writing to that. Right. And it totally plays and makes yeah. sense and
3: doesn't feel yeah. and we, out of place. And we were even allowed to stretch a little bit. I mean, obviously, obviously, the whole movie doesn't take place between the booths or if halfway through it kind of right. – You know, and that was something that we kind of had to convince them to let us do. Sally gets her narrow ass in
4: there. Exactly. (laughs) So,
3: so yeah, so we got to, we got to, you know, stretch a little bit, you know, which was important again, because we wanted to make sure that the film, you know, didn't date itself. So.
0: All right. So this, all right. The, was there a particular interest in the 80s? For you going into this, or that kind of happened organically? I fucking I love the eighties aesthetic in this movie. To oh god, Chef's kiss so fucking good. Um, Is is there is is, is there something like um, was it just the vibe of the eighties, or was it like that you liked that over a different decade? You know what I mean? That this could have been set in.
3: Yeah, no, I mean, I mean, there's a couple. There's a couple answers to that. Number one, I I fucking love the eighties. I mean, that's where I grew up. (laughs) And and mm-hmm. you know i i just have a you know i don't know it's it's that's nostalgia brain for sure but sure. um oh yeah but you know i you know tim and i both we kind of bond over a lot of our our love of 80s culture um and that was a big thing and then tim also had uh you know he had he'd had always wanted to do this story and we had been throwing different ideas around he wanted to do a story where um the Satanic Panic was actually true. Like his, his whole premise for yeah. a story was like going, hey, but what if the satanic panic was actually what well, they were right all along? And we were trying to, you know, he he had some comic ideas for that and stuff like that. And I think, you know, in this case that's kind of where where he jumped off at cuz I was always like, yeah, we got to do something like that because uh he didn't qu- like he He observed the satanic panic, but I lived the satanic panic. I I literally, like, I I tell the story about how I I never got He-Man toys growing up because when I was little, um, my mom read this book from Focus on the Family, which is a right-wing Christian group Mm
4: -hmm. that basically wrote a book about how all
3: (laughs) these 80s toys in the 80s were were basically satanic um, and driving kids. And so... I uh, like I said I grew up very religious and and that kind of hit, hit my house. Family
2: was a big driver of the satanic.
3: It family. really was, and my my yeah. my mom and dad were very much into focus on the family. So, yeah. so yeah. that I lived it, man. I I I knew whew, I knew exactly everything about it. So so that was always really uh, I was always really into that idea uh, coming from that sure. coming from that point. So that was a big part of it. Um, the other thing too is just like. You know, I mean, we don't really have peep shows anymore, you know, that kind of stuff. There was sort mm-hmm. of sort of the the elements of that type of, you know, the the world that we kind of felt like it would fit in the 80s specifically. So mm-hmm. you know, it was part aesthetic, it was part all that, you know, it's part um logistical as well. And and then just sort of, mm-hmm. you know, us sort of it's what we know. Um and, and then the other thing too is is part of it, you know, when we did it, I kind of didn't want to do like the straight up eighties thing. I kind of, because the, because the story is sort of an alternate history eighties, obviously a yes. fantasy eighties. Yes. Um, that's, that's kind of where the gunship thing came in for an example. Um, I wanted to create like a, like a, like an all, like there's this sort of sense you guys know how, like um, if you go back to the, if you go back to the eighties, the eighties themselves had like this 1950s obsession so i think right yeah mm -hmm. like our eight back to the future yeah yeah, back to the future is a good example like where it's not really the 50s but it's like the 80s nostalgic version of the 50s yes Mm
0: -hmm. it's Mm -hmm. with the 80s idea exactly
3: and that's kind of what we're doing Mm -hmm. now i think with the 80s we're all kind of doing the same idea that's why a lot of movies are sort of you know kind of taking place back then so kind of being aware of that i kind of wanted to do a kind of sort of synthetic 80s sort of like not true 80s but yeah this is like an alternate version and that's where like we had a lot of even the music is not real 80s needle drops it's modern bands doing sort of an 80s pastiche
2: yeah yeah that's i was just going to comment on that on 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 the music using modern music that sounds like the 80s that way it, it makes that alternate world feel to it because if it was something from the 80s it might be a little more familiar put you back to that time a little more whereas one of these bands that's doing that synth wave thing just makes you call that more of a feeling exactly so that's pretty cool
1: yeah i think we mentioned that yeah if like cherry pie came on it would have felt weird (laughs) yeah exactly yeah yeah (laughs) and the the
0: fact that you have like gunship and having those synths and stuff like that it is it's like the aura of the 80s it's not the it just the whole thing is just kind of like set in that ecosystem yeah which
3: is well and like one of the 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 song that plays when you know we first see angie walking that was a that was a song specifically written for us in the style so we had this brilliant this brilliant guy named uh, jonas wilkstrand who um was did the sound for our our trailer has a band has an 80s hair metal band and it's incredible oh, by nice. the way uh you should check them out they're called enforcer and they're they're Ooh, they're dope. so good but um he was like yeah I'll, I'll write you a hair metal song what like what year do you want it to be in and i was like 87 ah, uh, so he literally wrote us and recorded an 87 accurate Hair metal socks. that thing. Amazing. So, awesome. I know the song you're talking about. It yeah, has some it, sort of line about saints yeah, and it's sinners Saint or and something Center, like yep, that. Yep. Yeah.
1: It feels very organic to the movie of the yes. time, but also, you know, alternate timeline. Yeah. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> uh
0: was there anything like with this apocalypse film that you wanted to kind of stand out against others in the in the i guess the genre mm. of apocalypse films you know what sure. I mean? was there anything that, that kind of like you were like okay i want this kind of to kind of emanate off of this movie
3: yeah for sure i mean i mean you guys kind of mentioned a little bit the idea of not really seeing the apocalypse um and we so good. we kind of played like we were like oh should we or should we not and even in um when we we're going to do some pickups for the film we we're like should we shoot like we even shot some stuff of like them looking out the window and seeing all these people running mm-hmm. and you know and and maybe we even sure. thought about having having us be outside and seeing people get sucked into the air and all this kind of stuff and we kind of was just like you know what it doesn't work because this movie is from the point of view of Angie and Sally and they're stuck they're stuck in this booth they mm-hmm. can't see yeah. what's going on outside so we shouldn't be able to see what's going on I said at least until just we great. get to the end obviously find out <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I but mean, honestly, um,
0: I, I think the end I, that makes that end punch so much more effective because you don't really see the grasp of what's going on until right. the end. And then you have that panic. You're like, oh, <laughs> <I think laughs> literally like, oh God. And the more
2: that we're talking about it, the more I'm thinking, you know, it's really just about these two characters. Yes, the apocalypse is happening, but that's not like what it's about, so right. to speak. Mm-hmm. You know? Right. It's yeah. Our yeah. Study.
3: Point of view is a big thing that some people, I think, you know, miss in, in, in the process of screenwriting is that you're you're a good film has a really strong point of view. It usually it's from a specific character. And so mm. when you're making a film, you also you have to have that point of view in mind. And if your point of view kind of moves around too much, you can lose focus and the film can lose can get muddy and, and you know, unsure of itself. So mm-hmm. it was it was important to kind of stick to that. Um, but also just like to answer your question. Um, you know, it was the idea of the rapture? The also making yeah. it kind of Christocentric, essentially. Like mm-hmm. not 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 just sort of like a generic apocalypse under the world, but like no, this is specifically the Christian version of right. the apocalypse. You get yes. the right. trumpet, yeah, yeah. Trumpet. So, <laughs> it's the trumpet. The uh, trumpet.
4: <laughs> uh,
1: anytime the trumpets <laughs> mentioned, I always think Lou Bega. But go on. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Um, that's actually that's the that, that's actually outside. It's just yeah.
2: yeah. Lou Vega actually brings about the apocalypse. That's what <laughs> we, we should have had. Out. Sally.
3: Oh, that's that's Mambo number seven. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: so speaking of Sally, or I guess the two leads, Cato. Um, K- how do you? Say, we're not AC? sure how to say, Ac. Yeah. We weren't sure how to say her last name and Shana Shrout they are amazing. They obviously it's they pretty much just the two of them so they have to carry a lot of the weight of this film and they crush it. Um can you tell us at all about the casting process or how you found them? Yeah. How this came about cuz I mean, you've <laughs> kn- knocked it out of the park. I really can't say enough about what a great job they did.
3: Yeah, no I listen, I I, I honestly think um major reason the film even works is because of, of those two. Um we got just insanely lucky. I mean, we had we had a great casting director in Chicago. We had to go so because we were secret, we didn't want to tell anybody because um at the time um we had heard that some sag productions had gotten shut down because of, you know, missing a covid protocol or something. Sure. Because stuff was so strict. So we went non, non-union which Listen, we were very low budget. We had to anyway. So sure. we, you know, um, we we had to cast locally in Chicago. But we got like, I think like 60, uh, 60 tapes right away. Oh um, it was, it was, oh. it was tough. And there were some amazing people in there, but both, both Kato and Shana just stood out immediately. I mean, like Shayna and her tape did the, the closet scene. And I mean, she was like, mm. I remember it was really cool because like uh in her in her audition tape, she like was huddled in a corner, you know, crying in this during this tape. And I'm like I'm sitting there crying. <laughs> I was like, okay, that's amazing. <laughs> and then when we when we went to shoot the the thing, like they had kind of set it up and and my DP had sort of expected that she was gonna kind of stand here and was gonna go here and and she was like, I was like, no, I kinda want um. I don't want this to feel like her audition tape. It was so powerful. Mm-hmm. So we kind of re restructured it a little bit so that she could, you know, kind of mm-hmm. bend out or crouch down um just because of how good that was. and 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 Kato also just brought all this extra stuff, like like the whole um the this the, the motion she does yeah. in the beginning Same, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that was that, <laughs> that was something she did in her audition tape. Oh. so, you know, they were um. <laughs> They were both just, so you know, good. they were so good.
1: Oh, that's awesome. So I mean, they they kill it. What what was your favorite? I mean, it might be tough. Did you have a favorite scene to film in this or scenes? Was there something mm. incredibly enjoyable?
2: <laughs> Do you have one you were particularly happy the way it came
3: out? Like I, I will say this. I will say this. The the moment we knew it was we were we were really happy with what we were doing. Everyone got very excited. It was the first thing we shot was the the gunship dance sequence. Okay. Oh. Um, you know, because we kind of we shot it like a music video. Um, and actually the DVD has like that the full song cut dance sequence too. If anybody wants to check that out. Oh, but you're nice. selling D V D. We are. To me. DVD yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah, that 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 alone was kind of that was a lot of fun. It was hard to stop doing that. Um because Cato, so Cato is an actual burlesque dancer so we didn't like we didn't know you know that's that's not why i cast her necessarily but it was a big plus and when (laughs) you know when we were doing this you know the the script called for just like sort of like a you know just a peep show dance nothing spectacular and i asked kato if she wanted to choreograph something so she did we kind of did this whole thing um yeah so, so she just did an incredible job and i mean that was that's a whole choreographed dance that kato did and you know, it, it kind of blew our minds that we even got someone not only who was as great as she was, but also had that kind of dancing chops yeah, on top those of chops,
2: Absolutely. You know? The yeah. little like roar thing she does yeah, with the people. The attitude yeah, is, right. is wonderful. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> it's so aggressive.
0: <laughs> it is really cool because I mean, like with the dance sequence and even like you're saying, like the, the splooge kind of like hand motions and stuff like that is that like part of this feels not. Improv is not the right choice of words, but again, I guess the, the main word of today is organic.
4: Yeah. (laughs) Like it felt natural.
0: Yeah. Yeah, It just, everything kind of felt natural. So like, it seems like it was, um, nothing felt scripted, which I thought was really as in the fact of like, it just felt natural, which was super, super cool. I was like, were there any parts of this movie that were, um, I guess like rift or improv at all, or like was it mostly like a structured format for most of these scenes?
3: I mean they I mean we, I I'm pretty loose with my actors. I mean I let them, you know, we talk about the scenes beforehand if a, if a if a line isn't making sense to them, then I'm mm-hmm. like let's change it. Um so I mean some of it it's I wouldn't say it's um I don't I don't think any of it's really fully improv, but there's definitely a lot of just looseness. Um awesome. if something's working, we're like, yeah, let's do that. That's great. Cool. And and I love not every actor enjoys that. Some actors want to stick to script and want to do within the mm-hmm. script, but I was I'm lucky sure. that both Shayna and Kato, you know, they're, they're, they really wanted to collaborate here. And I think that's where a lot of that comes through. When you can kind of like on set, you, you know, you and your actors just sort of going with the flow, seeing what works, seeing what doesn't work, and just letting the actor sort of inhabit the role and do what they would do with the role. Mm-hmm. I think that's when you really kind of start to get that. And both Kato and Shayna, did that in spades. I mean, constantly, oh, yeah. and and they were just making me laugh <laughs> nonstop. They were insane together. Um, <laughs> so good. So that's I think a lot of awesome. that chemistry also comes from that too. So sure, it,
1: and it's Makes very sense. visible on screen and feelable the chemistry yeah. between them. I mean, they bring so much character to the characters, and you can tell, and that's awesome. Yeah. Was sure. there? I guess you know, twelve or thirteen days, as you said, sc- shooting schedule. I mean. Mm-hmm stuff can always be tight was there anything that was difficult mm. to film within that time frame that maybe i don't know didn't yeah. come out quite the way or you wanted to like i don't know anything tough i'm sure there's plenty. yeah i mean <laughs> oh
3: yeah there's plenty there's plenty i mean we were we were behind schedule the entire time when we when you have a 13-day schedule mm-hmm. you don't there's not a lot left on the cutting room floor let's just say that um, and add
2: COVID and all these protocols and exactly everything, sure. Yep, can't,
3: quarantine (laughs) yeah and i mean even i don't know how much you guys are familiar with with shooting schedules but normally you know you get 12 to 13 hours shooting days and we Mm -hmm. were trying to keep it to 10 just for COVID alone so you had you know testing you had all this other stuff and then you add that to it so that was tough um and then yeah so i think like being behind on a lot of cases which we were you know we're pre-lighting everything on a set and that was great but like we had one thing that we what that had happened was that um there was the warehouse we were in had two big sections. Mm-hmm. And um we built the we built the bookstore in one section and they were gonna start building the tunnels in the other section while we shot in this section about a day or two day no two days before we were set in the schedule to move into the subterranean parts. Um we basically my 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 producer who's also who's also the production designer came to me and said um yeah i don't think we're going to i don't think we're going to shoot over there because it's insanely hot so this is uh, august and it was very hot and that room had no Uh, air conditioning or anything and it was almost unbearable to be in um it was a really really old like it was basically the one we were in was like a newer warehouse and this was like an older one that it had been built onto and so we're like well okay what you know we (laughs) what are we gonna do here so we made this last second decision to basically build the tunnels in the bookstore so we basically transformed the bookstore everything apart about the bookstore the hallways and everything into the tunnels and oh, because of so that amazing. we were doing that like we were shooting during the day and then a construction and art team would come in at night and build a couple more tunnels and then we come uh-huh. in and shoot so we were never shooting in fully made tunnels which also meant that um, we had to constantly be like okay, we're like okay well then they're running here and then they're running here and you know thank Logistics. god yeah <sighs> yeah like like thank yeah. god that the tunnels are sort of supposed to be mazy to right. be in with Yeah. Mm -hmm. So So it kind of made as we really
2: find out at the end, it's like, oh, fuck.
3: (laughs) So that was that was a challenge. The other challenge, too, is um, when we were when we're doing it, we (laughs) at first we thought, well, we're just shooting in a box. (laughs) Well, it come to find out that shooting in an eight by eight box and making it dynamic and interesting is not an easy task um and so we uh like rob my dp and i who brilliant dp he also did the stylist um and and brooklyn 45 which is coming out here soon but um he and i for a week we planned out every single shot in that booth basically making it like a like a choreographed dance because Mm -hmm. we knew when you're so when you're shooting you have sort of what's called this 180 line which means that your camera can never pass basically this hemisphere because okay. if it does it kind of starts to confuse the audience of where they are in a space interesting and so what we had to figure out is like you know you can't shoot in a half you know in a, in a 180 in a, in a box because you're always just going to be looking at either the back right the whole time or you're going to be looking at the front so we had to constantly figure out. Okay, well, well, we have to do things so that this doesn't get super boring. So we got to figure out where to put the where to put the camera here, where to put the camera there, how to cross that line. So often, what you do is you sort of have a big action that happens so that the audience can reorient themselves to the other side of the of the one eighty and things like that. Man, the shooting in a shooting in an eight by eight box was was a was a surprisingly huge huge task <laughs> that we did not quite expect. So. Yeah. yeah I mean
2: did very well I never ne- nothing ever never any of the concerns now. you were addressing yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah no the cinematography is beautiful in this so big shout out to your DP for that it, yeah. yeah it plays Ross very amazing. well and the lighting and everything the very specific the I mean the oh, blue oh and God. the red it's I believe mm. Ross says something that this movie's like bathed uh, in so like good. what was it uh, bathed in, in like in a neon a glory va- or something neon glory
0: like, Yes. yes. Woo. <laughs> yeah, it's, it is because it, it's Hell like yeah. with that lighting style and I, and I love it meaning because it's one of my favorite movies of all time. It has this like creep show vibe with some of the lighting, but in its own, but it, it but so 80s as in like, it's so like, it just, it, it looks, it feels like comic book sometimes where it has that yes. just dynamic, like, and it's just so <laughs> there is a comic book.
3: That's true. There is a comic book. Oh, yeah, yeah, and you know, that kind of comes from you know, wanting to play it, wanting to play with those number one color. Uh, mm-hmm, yeah. I, you know, I still started to feel like lately, um, a lot of stuff just sort of afraid of color in modern cinematography. So I was just like, let's just sure. go for broke here, and then also that alternate 80s thing, too. Yeah. It's just sort of like, well, hell, let's just you know, let's just go full, full tilt on it. Take um,
2: straight up, <laughs> so one of the things we talked about, like it almost seemed like ad nauseum was just like the vibe and the feel and how, how much we loved it. It's just like oozing in atmosphere.
1: Nice. Yeah. It was so much fun just to, to be bathed in that as Ross said, if you had, (laughs) let's say, okay, now you're like, they're like, Oh my God, this movie sounds amazing. You have the budget that you like. Would you, what would you do differently with this story? Anything?
3: Well, yeah. Okay. So, so I have to be careful how I answer this, because we do have a sequel. Um, we don't have... I have a sequel but, idea, too. <laughs> <laughs> we Yeah, so we we, we want to do a sequel, mm-hmm. we, but we only want to do it if we have a bigger budget. So okay. not a crazy big budget, but just a little bit more because we kind of have sort of the next level of this in mind. So I, it's hard for me to kind of say... Okay. What that would be because we sort of want to do it. I um, mm-hmm. oh, want okay. it to be a secret. Yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, the the no answer to your question, we do have that. Um, <laughs> you know, and and it, it's really cool, but I can't I can't quite say what that is.
2: Cool, that's exciting enough. Yeah,
3: that's <laughs> awesome. One of our our listeners and our
1: our, our patrons, who's awesome, asked specifically: um, Did you always have gunship in mind? Did you know of gunship before this? And just wants to know anything about how gunship made its way in here
3: yeah so i did i mean i both tim and i are huge gunship fans okay. i'm a big i love synth waves one of my favorite um favorite genres and uh you know we kind of it was one of those things where um we uh i wrote the management and i told them what we were doing mm-hmm. and they they loved the idea so they're like yeah let's talk um That's and it was funny because we didn't technically have anything signed when we shot it but we did um, we did choreograph and shoot the dance sequence to dark all day the song oh really okay mm-hmm. yeah cool. so um so we kind of took a little bit of a risk there but not really <laughs> i mean they were it, it, the, the bad thing about it was that um and it's so funny that we're here in 2023 because at the time they told us that gunship was finishing their their next album and they're like hey what if we sent you the the new some of the new tracks and you can choose from those and i was like yes <laughs> do do it. It. <laughs> and so and so they, they they didn't they were like i guess the guys are like inc- like they're super perfectionists okay. so they have been toiling and toiling and toiling and by the time we we shot they still they still hadn't had tracks ready and then even by the time we were done editing which was like a year later they still hadn't because we we're like, hey, is this going to happen or not?" or like, we gonna do? and actually mm-hmm. we'd even talk to them about um scoring part of it. They were interested in scoring it, but they were yeah. so busy sure, on their album and everything like that that they couldn't do it. So, so we had, we had even bigger gunship plans, but, but ultimately they, they were just like so busy with their album, which apparently there's, st- I think it's coming out. It sounds like it's coming out soon. Okay. Two and a half years later. But two and a half years <laughs> later. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, and I haven't heard anything from it. So yeah. Oh, wow.
1: I, this made, random thought. So the, I, no, sorry. Sam. I just wanted
2: to shout out the patron that gave us that qu- oh, question. Oh yeah. I, That's uh, Travis. Travis, the Travis Boone, the witch doctor of doom. That's a Thank nice. Thank you. <laughs> The, fans um, unite.
1: the end of the movie has that well what we call the black hole sun thing going uh, on which is also yeah. very similar to the gunship album the cover yeah is that obvious like how what's that about is that intentional
3: <laughs> <laughs> it was it was very intentional okay. yeah, yeah i wanted to throw in kind of a little uh one extra little nod to those guys That's all yeah good. well and works. i technically like that that um yeah that that cover is actually uh inspired by the anime berserker i don't know if you guys okay Mm
1: -hmm. i I haven't read much of it Mm -hmm. or seen much but i know
3: of it yes it's it's an amazing amazing It was one of the best i think that there is but um but yeah that you know it just looks i mean we we we're kind of planning to do some i mean it is it that sequence is sort of scripted Mm -hmm. but it's scripted in a way like in the script it's basically you just you just kind of the camera keeps going mm-hmm. up and you sort of see just the bird's eye view of a maze and we were working with our social effects artist you know we kind of decided like, what if we what if we went sort of more in a little bit of a hellraiser 2 vibe mm-hmm. with this and started to show more
4: mm-hmm. yeah. and so
3: he kind of came up with some of these other ideas and I was like Yo, you know what you should do is we should really go full crazy hell apocalypse scape And, uh, and do something like this. And they was kind of inspired by, uh, by the cover. So yeah. Cool. Yeah. It's it's definitely
0: awesome. That's so good. (laughs) So you kind of,
3: yeah, go Ross. Sorry. I
0: was going to say, I have to ask this. Um, are there any, okay. Are there any other Easter eggs in this movie that you put in there that you think like, that haven't been caught yet. Obviously it's a few years after the film's been made. Is there other ones that like you put in there, but no one's really caught on yet. And you don't even have to mention it now. <laughs>
4: but but <laughs> There,
3: there definitely is, but I'm trying to think if there's any that I, that I can think of right now that I would, that I would throw out there. I mean, I know, you know, there's a ton of just like, I mean, even in the, the posters and the, the actual like videos and stuff in mm-hmm. the, uh, then the bookstore, like those are all kind of specifically put in there. The posters are funny. I'll, I'll tell you this great story. So um, originally what was going to happen is we were, um, you know, this was still during quarantine. So a lot of businesses were only open, like they either weren't open or they were open, you know, only small hours. Mm-hmm. And so we started calling around to some um, adult shops in the area to try to get product. and sure. And we actually found this, this adult bookstore that, Happened where the guy had been running it for since the '80s, and he actually had a um, storage facility in uh, near Chicago that had tons of unopened '80s products. We're like, yeah, "What (laughs) shit!" (laughs) He was like, "Yeah." He like talked to my producer for like hours and just telling her all about like what 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 like how the adult film industry worked in the '80s, and some of it I I didn't even know. Like it was crazy stuff about. Like like the, the bookstores themselves licensed the movies that they sold. So they were like the bookstores and movies and like oh, all this different whoa. stuff. It was crazy, which made it great because we we're like, oh, awesome. There's like no licensing issues here. And it's like <laughs> in-box dildos <laughs> and shit like that. So like he was gonna bring a whole truck of product to oh, us wow. and we're to for us to basically, mm-hmm. you know, fill the bookstore with. Yeah. And then like we waited we waited and the day before we were supposed to shoot there was nothing couldn't get a hold of him he just ghosted us he just i don't know what happened Damn. he freaked out or whatever but totally ghosted us so like we had to fill like we had to find whatever we could find sure. wherever we could find it like i had i had friends giving us product <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna need this back okay <laughs> I,
0: need to, I need to go under your bed right now and get your secret stash because I need to fill this book. pretty much
3: yeah Um. like literally yeah I mean honestly we had a runner who had to go to, to a friend's house and they had a box waiting on the porch um, they had <laughs> of course you don't like hand that over personally <laughs>
4: No. <laughs> so
3: but but even like the posters we had a graphic designer you know make all the posters and stuff like that So so I mean not quite an Easter egg, but it did remind me of of just the the, of the challenge we had there. Sure, you know it's just more COVID stuff. I mean, even some of the challenges, yeah. uh, you know, we couldn't get we couldn't get um, uh, certain product in time, um, just you know, mail and stuff yeah. like that. But um, yeah. I mean, you, you know, there's stuff that. like uh, heavy sure. metal. They they allowed us. We got permission there because Tim was. Oh the, yeah, because he's Heavy metal, metal
2: magazine.
3: Yeah, and the cool thing about that is that that magazine is um, from. Uh, it's 1987 it's mm-hmm. a 1987 issue oh it's accurate but it, nice yeah and it has it, it's, a, it's a woman with a snake wrapped around yeah. her oh, oh yeah. wow Yeah, I didn't even yeah. notice that no that's one that's one I, yeah, I was just of. like
2: oh heavy metal <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh that's awesome okay so you kind of answer this by saying you can't really answer this too much on here we like to talk about sequels and does the movie deserve one and should there be mm-hmm. one sure. We think. Well, I'll tell
2: you what my idea yes, was. Yes, certainly. I'd we all kind of pitched it. our
1: things here. Yes. <laughs> nice. Sam.
2: I, uh, so, because I, I already knew about the comic, is to go even more multimedia, and it's a video game, and it starts right where the movie ends with the girls walking through those doors, and we pan out and see the whole labyrinth. And you you can play as each character, and each one has their own story, and you can play oh, them together, dope. and you go through <laughs> until, you know reached them to whatever, and the, end the, end is. whatever you guys write for that. Okay. Right. Okay. Yeah. yeah I, I was, big, I was on the vibe
1: with thought. picking up right where we left off, but I, because you see when you know, you do your pullout that there's a lot of other shit going on in the, that maze there. There's other people, there's other things doing stuff. There's, else, there's yeah. so yeah. much yes, happening. We're all to explore. Yeah. So I, I was like, yes, I would love the, the, our main characters to meet up with more people and Then those more people. That just leads to more opportunity to see people die. And, you know, Navigating their way through a maze,
3: but yeah, Yeah, I would love
1: to see anything.
3: (laughs) I will. I will tell you that I will tell. I can't tell you like what the the gist of the story is, but the the sequel does take take place right after. But it's sort of it's it's different. It's not where you expect. And actually, my my what I really want to do, if we ever get to do it, and the reason that we need some bigger budget, I I want to do it. I basically want to do uh, a hell movie, like a movie in hell utilize like like this kind of labyrinth-esque so and actually get like the henson company to do oh, to, like do a full like full-on hell, on hell, hell yeah. but with puppets you know what i mean like
4: <laughs> the like, like the
3: great jim henson type Can't you know yes! storyteller type Amazing. labyrinth Amazing. puppets so oh uh, yeah my that's, that's my, my eyes goal back into this. my head after hearing that <laughs> right? I, would, exactly.
0: I would i would pull a heat level heist just to see that happen. Holy <laughs> shit! All right, <laughs>
1: all right. We'll get the funding. Yeah, exactly, right. <laughs> don't worry just, about it. Just we'll, don't I think. Yeah, just, leave it in a box yeah, on our porch. I was going to say, just like It'll be just like COVID some porn. porno, we'll just slide
0: <laughs> in a briefcase full of money. Nice.
1: Another thing we usually typically ask on ours uh, in terms of the movie is. If we would survive the film or the events of the film. So, I mean, mm. I think we said we wouldn't cause it's ultimately the apocalypse. We think that we would make it to the maze mm. yeah. and get that far. Do you think you would survive any level of this or, or, or are you dying? I don't. Immediately? Yeah. No, I'm immediately. <laughs> yeah. Mm. no, no, I'm a pussy. Oh, awesome.
3: Yeah, no, it's yeah. not going to happen. <laughs> no way. Just, just, <laughs> yeah, just not even put, the put, your, tongue,
0: put yeah. your tongue in the, uh, in the pay slot immediately yep. out of the game yep. Okay. Yep. Bite
2: Pretty off. Bite <laughs> <off>. That's me. <laughs> 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 Ugh, that was so unsettling um, so we, we know you, you like horror you got into horror, horror later but you're a cinephile in general so doesn't have to be horror but is there if you could work on any property in existence some existing IP you get to make the next movie for it mm. what would you pick
3: Oh, that's a great question. Um, you know, I know that this, I, I really would love to make and I know that other people have said would, would have done this and would do it, but i'd I'd really love to make a a, a new Highlander um Ooh. I love Highlander yes yeah. cool um, <laughs> what else there's qu- there's a lot of stuff that I would of love course. to do, but yeah. Sure. Highlander is a great one. answer, yeah, no, and we
2: haven't seen something from that in a while. I think people yeah. would be like excited to step back into the Highlander universe, the h u
3: yeah, it it's weird because it's <laughs> like, there could be more, more than one in this new one, <laughs> yeah, i I, I used to watch Highlander the show universe. with my dad, so oh, my, my awesome. it was one of my dad's favorite things. and you know, and it it's weird because it's a it's a franchise that doesn't seem to to you know, like like the entire. The history of that franchise is littered with pretty bad, bad stuff. Um, yeah. Some good stuff. I, I I love the TV show still, but but I like the challenge of doing something like that. I know that they've there's been a movie that's been on and off for years, and it's weird because as a fan of it, I'm almost like, uh, I'm all right. <laughs> sure, kind <laughs> <laughs> of would love to would love to, to you know make Takes one at so. it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I don't.
2: We've talked about a few different projects you were either working on or upcoming what do you know what's next is are you working on revealer 2 right now can you say (laughs) are you doing i know you mentioned revival to start this out i just i don't know um
3: i i wish i was doing a revealer 2 that would be awesome (laughs) maybe someday (laughs) not you know i'm i'm gonna keep that candle burning but um uh, I am doing something. Uh, Aaron Koontz and I are doing something together. and uh, I But I cannot say what it is. Not yet, no, but hopefully that soon. Worries. Yeah. Oh, keep, I, I hate, keep an eye out, people. Yeah, yes. keep an eye yeah. out. I, I hate saying that. I hate being the guy. The, yeah, um, sure. <laughs> but It's uh, but, but, that, but exciting, whole, though. The film family themselves have got a lot of great stuff coming out. I think, um, you know, Panic Fest is in a week, two weeks, I think, um, weekends. I don't remember what, but uh, we've got. Two films uh, premiering there, uh, Black Mold, which was directed mm. by John Pata, who is uh, who is our post supervisor mm. and a close friend. Um, and that movie is amazing. I can't wait for is people Kato to see Black, Black Mold. She is in that. Yeah, okay. Okay. that's how I yep.
2: heard that name. <laughs>
3: yep. Um, yeah, Black Mold's coming out. I'm really excited about it. Uh, there's another film by Ted Geegan uh, that our team made uh, called Brooklyn 45 that will premiere on uh, that premieres on it it was just a south by southwest got great reviews. I feel like I've amazing.
2: seen stuff about that. People have been yeah. like sharing articles in the horror spaces.
3: Yep. It's That's amazing awesome. cast. Um and uh that premieres on Shudder, but I don't think they've announced when yet. Mm-hmm. But it, it okay. should be hopefully soon. That's awesome. So it's awesome. Yeah.
0: Um, Quick question. Where do we send the audition tapes to be murdered in one of your
4: movies?
3: (laughs) (laughs) Well, you've got my contact, so feel free to sign up. There we go. There we go. We got
4: it. We got the end. end. (laughs) (laughs) All right, right, guys. No, thanks. (laughs) (laughs)
2: If I need three chuckleheads, I'll let you know. I'll let you know, yeah. I think we just have one last question. Thank you so cool. much. You've been so generous with oh, your time. Oh, yeah, this For has been sure. fun. For Thank sure. you. Thank last you so one. much.
1: This could be quick. Freddie or Jason? Oh, uh, Jason. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, that's what I believe. Yeah. That's what Aaron Goes went with as well. That.
3: Yeah. Uh, yeah. Aaron <laughs> and I have talked about Friday night. You know, it's it's weird because I think I think Nightmare is the better series actually, mm. um, and I think a more creative uh, monster. But but man. I love me some Friday. I yeah. sure, Jason. The pure brutality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just the brute. The brute. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's, no, it makes yeah. sense.
1: We're excited it, to take Sam on that journey.
3: <laughs> it's a great. How far I
1: ordered far The four K
2: Blu Ray box set. I'm watch, I start. I started watching two on my new box set, and my new Blu Ray player didn't work. Oh so. no. <laughs> I, I went to Best Buy today and asked for the manager and got a new one. Oh, yeah.
1: Nice. Nice. So, so yeah, he's wow. only seen the first one. So, I've only watched okay. one. At I watched it three man. times and that's he hasn't it. not even seen Jason yet. Nope. <laughs> wow. Well, no,
2: I, I see a little boy. Oh, that's <laughs> true. That's true. You did. That's
1: true. You did. Well, we'll get you know, there.
3: I, I find myself interesting enough. I, I love one. Um, And a lot of most people I know don't. It's surprising to me, but I I think it's great. I think it's a great horror movie. I mean, obviously, it it made it set the yeah. template. So right, totally.
2: Even though it it did and didn't in it because it doesn't have the main villain, um, <laughs> yeah. but it I guess it set a camp. <laughs> I don't know. It's interesting. I ne- so having been totally unfamiliar with it, and obviously knowing of this like huge franchise, but for whatever reason, it missed me. Right. Um, <laughs> so I was. Expecting it to be better than it was, yeah. I found I found its flaws endearing though, yeah. like yes. a campiness to it, if you will. Mm. Um, so I did enjoy that.
3: Yeah, you can't quite put it on a pedestal, but it's. I, I think it's got great kills. I think it's got. I mean, hey, oh, it's yeah. got the Kevin. kills
2: are incredible. It's got yeah.
3: Kevin Bacon. I mean,
0: yeah. oh mm-hmm. yeah,
4: It's right throat, there.
3: <laughs> sore
0: Throat Kevin Bacon is fantastic. Right, throat. <laughs> <laughs> <Those tiny little laughs>
2: swimsuit shorts he wears Go I mean, yep. get me a pair of those awesome
1: <laughs> look for, look out for that on the Instagram Sam we'll we'll, we'll post a picture yeah. wearing that once oh, again God. thank you so much we're oh, we're huge fans I mean I got definitely the comics oh, like wow. I, Hell yeah. we're on board with all this and oh, guys, thank you so much for, for this so I mean yeah. any little bit of attention we can get your way to possibly you know get that tinkle of uh, tinkle twinkle of revealer a t- a two out there yes <laughs> we'll push to make it and do anything we can so thank you so much for coming on is there anywhere you would Thanks, want guys. people to find you or, or get at you or anything or
3: you know um you can find me on instagram that's about it right now i'm kind of off socials for the most part but uh awesome but yeah i'm on instagram <laughs> and feel free as feel free to you know anybody can message me there so but i i appreciate all the support guys i really do awesome thank you so much and until
1: Well, you know, follow us, do all that kind of fun shit. And until next time.